Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Wow. I mean, we might as well just go go on to altar call now. Like, my goodness, why am I even talking? That was so great. Nina did such an amazing job. We're so thankful you're here. My name is Justin. I'm on team. I am not Pastor Jamie. I don't know if you can't tell. I have just a little bit less hair than he does. I actually, it migrated down here. That's where it went. That's not that funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Pastor Jamie and Pastor Sander, they send their greetings. They send their love. They're down in Florida hanging out on the beach, having a good old time. Man, come on. I wish I was on the beach. Actually, I would, this, hey, there's, listen, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hey, next week, next week, seriously, if you're a guy and you're in this room, or you're online, then next Sunday night you need to be here. Man up. It's going to be amazing. I think there's going to be like a video game truck. I don't even know what that is. It's, do you play on the side of the truck? I don't even know, but it sounds awesome. I want to play it. I mean, we'll have other things other than video games. But man, it's just going to be an awesome time getting together with all the guys, just getting poured into. And then uh, I, I did want to mention next week, there's been such an incredible response to Pastor Jamie's series, Anchored, where we've been deep diving into the book of Hebrews. Pastor Jamie is going to do one more, like an encore Sunday next week. We decided we're going to close out the book of Hebrews before we jump into the Fire Away series. So some of our promotion has been saying it's going to be on the 19th. Let me just set the record straight. Fire Away is going to start on September 26th and go to October 3rd. We're still taking questions. We've had an insane response. It's awesome. So many questions have just been pouring through. If you've got a question, let's do it. And also, today's Connect Group rally. Come on. There's a motorcycle out there? Like, what? So crazy. The lobby looks so amazing. Our Connect Group leaders are so pumped. This is an awesome time to jump into community. And uh, that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, The text for today comes out of the book of Acts, chapter 2. Uh, Verse 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we come before you today and we just say, unify our hearts. God, the Holy Spirit has been moving. We know you are here. We know you are active. You have been moving powerfully in our midst today. And God, we just say, Please continue the work you're doing. Soften our hearts. Bind us together. Unify us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the book of Acts uh, was written by this guy named Luke. Luke was, he actually accompanied Paul during parts of Paul's travels. There's a a cool spot in the book of Acts where uh, Luke was writing in the third person, like, they did this, they did this, they did that. And then all of a sudden, at one point, it switches to, we did this, we did that, which is cool. That means Luke joined the story. He's not necessarily referencing himself, but he's, he's now part of the team, right? It's pretty awesome. But Luke, uh, the book of Acts is actually part of a larger work that includes the gospel of Luke. Uh, it's called Luke Acts. 
That's it. That's the whole thing. It's one big book. So I would encourage you, if you've never read straight through from Luke, there's John in the middle. Just skip John. Come back to John later. It's awesome. But just go straight through from Luke to Acts. It's, it's really neat. It's a, it's a cool read uh, to read through it straight through the way uh, Luke intended it. But uh, Luke really tells the story of the birth of the church, starting at the birth of Jesus. Luke tells the story of Jesus being born, the miraculous uh, birth. And then it, he goes all the way to when Paul was imprisoned in Rome and he was doing his ministry out of, out of his home that he was staying in in Rome. And uh, it's not really, I mean, the, the book of Acts just kind of ends but it doesn't really end. The story continues on. There's more to, even to Paul's life at the end of the book. That's just the place that he stopped writing. But the story of Acts continues on. And actually, the church that you're sitting in, the church that you're watching online, is a continuation of that same story. We can trace our lineage all the way back to the apostles sitting in this upper room that we're going to be talking about here in just a second. Um, so we're going to get back to the text. The text specifically, Acts 2, chapter 2. Chapter 2 in Acts is an incredibly famous portion of Scripture. At the beginning of, of Acts chapter 2, uh, the apostles and the other people that were with them are, are gathered in this place called the Upper Room in Jerusalem. Jesus had ascended to heaven, and they're kind of gathering, like waiting for something to happen. And what happens is, at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, God pours out the Holy Spirit. They, they get uh, the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them in, in this amazing display of power. And, and immediately after that, this crowd kind of gathers around where the upper room is in Jerusalem. And Peter walks out and delivers this amazing sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000. Can you imagine if 3,000 people got saved like that in one, in one moment? So the church went from like, I don't know, like 50 to 100 people. I'm not exactly sure on the number to 3,050 and 100 or whatever in, in an instant. It's so amazing. Um, but what's cool about verse 42 specifically, which verse 42 is the whole thing. It's the outline, the punchline, the through line of everything we're going to be talking about today. It is literally it. Uh, but the first word of the verse is they. And in verse 41, that's where Luke writes that the 3,000 were added to their number. The 3,000 who were saved were added to their number. And the first word in verse 42 is they. It's no longer just the apostles and their followers. It's now this huge number, this 3,000 that has been added, and they are now the church. It's so cool that it's, there's not this like hierarchy going on. It's, it, they're, it's all, they're all they. So you got the oldies and the newbies. They dwelled together, and, and we read in the scripture that they shared their lives together. It, it was idyllic. It was this near-utopian outlook of what the church is, and, and really, they lived it. It wasn't a myth. It's not a story. It's not a legend. They lived this out. That's how the church existed. They existed in unity. They were unified. I really believe that verse 42 is a recipe for unity. Those com it's a list of these components that when you put them and found them onto the gospel of the good news of Jesus as the Messiah— that they create something far greater than the sum of their parts, that God honors it, and his Holy Spirit literally comes down and begins to unify hearts, unify people. Who likes Marvel movies? Yeah? Yeah? Come on. Marvel is awesome. It's so cool. They have so many movies. Every single one. I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. Really pumped. Hoping, hoping we can go in a few days, but I... I, I 
I absolutely adore these movies. They're so amazing. And uh, if you actually watch them, for those of you who haven't seen them, I'm going to catch you up real fast. Uh, in much of the movies that have come out, they call this the Infinity Saga. And in these movies, these little like colorful stones kind of pop up, and each one has this different power. Uh, and, and what happens at one point, the stones get gathered onto the... Well, you know what? Let me just, let me just show you. I brought it, actually, with me. Uh, I have uh, the, the Infinity Gauntlet, and guess what? What's up? What's up? Yeah, I better not snap my fingers. We're going to be in trouble. No, I'm kidding. This is, a, this is not the real Infinity Gauntlet, in case you can't tell. This is a $30 bootleg from Amazon. Really excited. But, yeah, I mean, you can, like, move your fingers and stuff. It's so cool. I love it. But uh, so this, this Infinity Gauntlet, what happens is when you gather all of the stones that have all this power and you put them on this gauntlet, you're able to snap your fingers and change reality, change the fabric of the universe, which leads me to my title for today. I'm going to put this down real fast. Uh, uh, should I leave it on? What do you think? Yes? Okay. All right. We'll leave it on. That's great. Uh, my title for today is The Unity Gauntlet. The Unity Gauntlet. On the Unity Gauntlet, we have four components. And then we have the fifth, which is the most important, which is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Uh, but and everything we do has to be founded upon Jesus, or it's null and void. It's nothing. Uh, the four components are, and they're straight out of verse 42, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. When we get these components, these, these stones, if you will, when we get them in our life and in the life of our church, and we found them on the good news of Jesus Christ, we begin to see unity. God begins to create unity amongst us. And, and it's unity that enables us to literally change our reality. You guys see the reality? We've got wars. We've got famine. We've got earthquakes. We've got pandemics. All these, we've got deep divisions between people going on right now. All of it. What happens when the church begins to actually look like an Acts 2.42 church, we have the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to change the world. To change the world. It's like snapping your fingers. That's how easy it is for God. Man. So let's, let's jump into the first one. It's teaching. The first one is teaching. They were, were devoted to the apostles' teaching. In school, there was absolutely nothing. Man, there was nothing I hated more than assigned reading. Come on. Like, To Kill a Mockingbird? I had to read that like four times. Like, I mean, I got, listen, it's like, oh, that's such a great story. I know. But when you read it four times because you have to, come on. You got, I mean, The Jungle, Animal Farm, 1984, Scarlet Letter, blah. No, thank you. But listen, I, I do love to read. But uh, when, when I discovered Cliff's Notes, oh, man. I was like, oh, thank the Lord. I get to make this C and feel great about it. You know? I'm, I sure is. I, I, an A was not going to happen if I had Cliff's Notes. But, hey, maybe a B if I'm, if I'm really good at faking it. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I just hated assigned reading. But I do absolutely love to read. I adore it. I'm constantly regaling my wife, Melissa, with stories about Frodo in the ring. This guy named Randolph Thor, the dragon reborn. And here's a deep cut, uh, Dr. Ransom, who came from the silent planet. Any C.S. Lewis fans out there? Y'all don't even know that one. It's like, what is that? That wasn't Aslan. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I love to read. I just didn't want to do the assigned reading. 
I, I felt like I just needed to discover it for myself. I didn't want to do what the teacher said for me to do. But I think that's a problem with our society, a problem with the big C church, is we don't really want to do the assigned reading. We come to school every Sunday, and the teacher tells us the assigned reading. This person tells us what to do to change our reality. But we decide, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I know for me, when I was reading, I ended up reading less, actually, because I felt like, oh, I need to pick my own books. And I just read less. Uh, We want to discover how to build unity on our own rather than just do what the Bible says. Jesus says this in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. You see, Jesus calls us out and gives us a promise. He says, come on, if, if, if you don't obey me, it's not going to go well with you. But, but if you do, if you listen to me and you do what I say to you, if, if I am more than just simply Lord by the words of your mouth, if I'm Lord by your actions, then it will go well with you. When the flood comes, when the storms come, when the trials come, when life comes, you will stand Your life will stand because your foundation is on Jesus and what he says rather than, I just didn't like the assigned reading. Man. And in Acts, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted. When you're devoted to something, you don't just listen and say, wow, that was good. If you're devoted to it, you live it. And in Acts, we read, they lived it out. They loved one another. They sold their possessions just to make sure everyone was okay. Can you imagine? I have a PlayStation 5. I would be kind of upset if I had to sell it, you know? Maybe I could make some money. But if I knew that someone, if, if that would cost someone to actually have food on their table, to be able to survive a week, that's what they did. They, they, didn't, they didn't care about possessions. They didn't care about what they had. They cared about each other. Man. Coming to church is amazing. I love being here. I love church. But living out God's word, living out his commands, living out the teaching that's given here every Sunday, that's the other side of the coin. In 1 Samuel 15, we get a a, a glimpse at God's heart in the matter. This is verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Surely to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. I could preach a whole sermon series on that, but uh, it, listen, it's not, it's not saying that God doesn't love it when we bring our sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it is a sacrifice. You're going through the muck of life, and it's like, man, I'm, I made it here. Just being here is a sacrifice. God loves that. But he also, more than that, just wants you to do what he tells you. Trust him. That's what obedience really is, is trust. Man. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is kind of a Christianese word. We hear it, and it's like, is it just like hanging out? What does that even mean? 
It's been, it's like, I feel like the meaning has, has been, it's really diluted down to just mean, oh, we're going to fellowship, brother. And that just means we're going to hang out. Like, let's eat some barbecue or something. Uh, but it's got so much more meaning into it. So I want to unpack the word fellow, which fellowship just means being fellows with, with people. Uh, Google, uh, the first definition for fellow is just a guy, <laughs> a man. This is a fellow. But the second definition, I want to talk about the second definition on Google that they have. Fellow, now it's up, it's up on the screen. Uh, a person in the same position, involved in the same activity, or otherwise associated with another. So talking about same position, at, at one point in the Gospels, the, the apostles kind of gather around Jesus and they're like, hey, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? They were vying for position. They were hanging out with the king of the universe, trying to get, like, who was going to be the best. Uh, and Jesus shut him down. He was like, to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. You have to be like a servant. That's who the greatest is. And we see in the text today from Acts 2 that they served one another. They sold their possessions. They had everything in common. They were in this kind of equal playing field. No one's needs were greater than the other. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. And they shared the same activity. They consistently gathered at the temple or at church and in their homes. They broke bread together. They ate together and praised God together. They did it together. And then they were associated with one another. Down in, down in Georgia, where I'm from, I'm from Georgia. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, you, you probably can't hear it in my voice. Most people be like, you're from Georgia? That, you don't sound like it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, listen, I do like grits and sweet tea, all right? And I say y'all a lot, all right? But Montlick and Associates, there was this like law firm down in, in Georgia, a guy named Montlick and Associates. And always they have these commercials going on, Montlick and Associates, Montlick and Associates. And I think here in Knoxville we have, is it Hots and Associates? Is that familiar? Anybody heard that? Okay, there's this guy in Knoxville no one's heard of named Hots. Uh, and he has some associates. Uh, and he does law things. Um, but what matters is the name of the lawyer. You see, the name of the associates, all the other people in the company or the law firm, are just associates. They're all associates of this guy named Hots or Motlick or whatever. Uh, our name is the church's name is Jesus Christ and associates. We're associated with Jesus Christ because of the work he did on the cross and raising up again. We're associated with him. We get to have fellowship with one in him. We get to have communion with him. But because we're fellows with Jesus and he's fellows with all of us, we are associates together. We're all associates on an equal playing field. We're associates. In, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes this, verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That's what fellowship is. Although I do like hanging out too. Uh, and we're going to talk about that now. Breaking of bread is number three. I like how specific this one is. You don't really have to pack, unpack it too much. Breaking of bread. You eat with someone. That's what it means. Uh, and it's important. Sharing a meal is foundational to our faith. Half, like almost half the book of John 
is Jesus talking at, at a meal. He's like, hey, y'all listen to me while we're eating this hummus and stuff or whatever, bread and, and wine, you know? I don't know. I don't know. What, I mean, what did people eat, you know, 2,000 years ago? I don't know. Uh, olives? I hate olives. Who likes olives? No, no thank you. I'll, hand, I'll give all my olives to you guys. No thanks. But uh, every week here at this church and many other churches, we partake in a meal in something called communion. We have it available literally. I don't know if everyone knows this. We have communion every Sunday. It's at these tables around here. And I would encourage you when we do response time later, get up out of your seat, go grab some communion and, and have communion with your family. It's very powerful. Uh, but and communion isn't a very important component of, of gathering of believers, but when it says breaking of bread in this, it doesn't just mean communion. It means that, but also eating, because later in that same passage, it says they ate together. They ate together with glad hearts. The apostles, the church at this time, they shared meals when they gathered. When they, gathered. they were together in their homes eating. When I was a kid, little, little kid all the way through, same height kid. Uh, I, I absolutely, man, I loved going to church. I still do, by the way. I love going to church. I, but I loved going to church as a kid. But I wasn't so sure that it was because of the whole church part. It was because I knew for a fact, after we got done with church, we were going to be hanging out with my friends afterward. We were going to be hanging out with my friends. My, my family, my parents, had made this conscious decision to spend time with about four to six other families. And we did it the whole time I was growing up, from like zero, literally, in utero, from zero all the way through till, I mean, till now. My dad's still meeting with these people. They're still having lunch. They're probably going to go to a Mexican restaurant after today, literally. Uh, but... I just, I loved to spend time with these people. When we would meet with these people after church on Sunday, we'd meet with them after church on Wednesday. We would go to their houses, all of our houses. We would do this rotation thing on the weekends. It was incredible because my family made a conscious decision. I was talking to my dad a couple of years back, and he was, uh, it's probably more than a couple of years, but he was, he was kind of lamenting this change that was going on in their church. They were kind of shifting from this old school Sunday school model, which is cool. But they were shifting to very similar to what we have here, connect groups, home groups, life groups, that whole small group feel. They were shifting to that. And dad was like, son, I just, oh, man. I, he talks like this for real. I, I don't know about all that small group stuff. I just, oh, man. I, no, no, I, I, come on, inviting people to your house? I'm like, oh, man. And I was like, dad, you've been doing it for 30 years. What are you talking about? We did it so often. We would go after church on Sunday, after on Wednesday, on the weekends. I was like, Dad, that's a small group. You did life with these people, and it was the same people. And let me tell you, this is the testimony out of this. Uh, all those families that are still close, the parents are still close, the kids have moved out everywhere because that's what people do. But 90%, 90 to 95% of the kids, and I'm not making this up, 99, 90 to 95% of the kids that were a part of that group that stayed pretty much the same for 20 some odd years are all currently in church. Currently. Yeah, that totally, that bucks all, that bucks all statistics. You see statistics, and these are all millennials, by the way. I don't know if you've heard about that, that age group. But they're all in church. 
they, this group of families successfully passed on the faith to their kids. Successfully. And it wasn't, it wasn't because the preacher did real good on Sundays. It was because they made a decision to have community with one another for a long time. And that was, yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's why when Melissa and I, we, we got married, it was like literally within months of us being married, we ended up having two groups meeting in our home, like back-to-back nights. Uh, we would have a group on Monday night, totally different group of people, and then on Tuesday night, a whole other group of people. And we, we found that when we supplied a meal, we had a great turnout. <laughs> and when we said, oh, we're just going to do coffee and dessert, didn't have such a good turnout. Listen, food's important. Get some food with people. Come on. Man, that brings me to number four in Acts 42. Number four, prayer. Back during World War II, there was this German pastor, German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote several famous works. Some of you may have read this before. One of, them, one of, them, one of the books that he wrote is called Life Together. And he really was just writing about his experiences as a, a kind of part of this really first century church looking uh, community of these German pastors and believers and stuff. And this was like kind of in the midst of the World War II, pre-World War II era in Germany. And uh, he, he has this incredible quote from this book out of his experiences. He says, uh, it's going to be up on the screen, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. (laughs) James writes this in chapter 5 in in the book of James. This is verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. May be healed, not might. May be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. The scripture contains a promise If we confess our sins to one another and we pray for one another, we will be healed. Jesus comes in and does a work. You see, it's this, uh, you guys know the recycling logo thing? Little arrows or whatever doing a little cycle? It's like that. It's like, I I pray for you, you pray for me, and then Jesus comes on in and heals everybody. That's what he does. That's what James says. It's in the Bible. We're going to stand on this promise today. But this isn't just physical healing, because that that is a thing. It's not just physical, mental, spiritual healing, like the miraculous type of healing. It's also this heart healing that happens. I've found in my life, when I begin to just pray for someone, to lift them up to Jesus, that God reaches down, grabs hold of my heart, and begins to kind of break the hardness begins to soften it for this person. Whatever grievance I may have had, whatever issue I may, I may have had, or even just a neutral feeling toward this person, uh, all of those get dimmed, and God births this new love and passion out of it, and I, I begin to, to love this person like, like a brother or a sister, you know? Like, it's this amazing thing that happens. God reaches down and melts our heart, and then at that point, the divisions don't matter. The opinions don't matter. Who they voted for for president doesn't matter anymore because God is reaching down by the power of the Holy Spirit and building unity. 
He's building unity. And that's, that's really the grand finale, of, grand finale of today. When we take those, those four things, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, and put them on the foundation of the good news of Jesus Christ, God literally fills the space between us. He fills the space between our consciousnesses. It feels like sometimes we have these islands of our minds. We're we're all by our lonesome, it feels like sometimes. But God, what he does by the power of his Holy Spirit, when when we just do life with someone, he fills the space in between. And it sounds mystical, it sounds weird, but it's out of the Bible. Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. That's what he does. And I can promise you, unity only happens. Unity only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have these four components. We have the gospel. And if we just try to human it, it's not going to work. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's God who binds us together. You see, Satan, he's the enemy of our souls. He hates unity. His whole playbook is disunity. It may seem like sometimes the bad guys are real unified. Well, there's a problem because they're unified against other people. That's disunity. He cre- Satan begins to create division, begins to create factions, begins to pit one against another. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But man, it is so hard to have disunity with someone that you pray for. It's so hard to have disunity with someone that's literally sitting under the same teaching. It's so hard to have disunity with someone that you had tacos with yesterday. And it is so hard to have disunity with someone who you see as an equal. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to close with a psalm. Melissa mentioned this to me when, when I would said I was going to be preaching on Acts 2.42 and, and the idea of the concept of unity really being the heart behind it. And uh, it's on Connect Group Rally Sunday. Come on. Melissa, Melissa mentioned this psalm. This psalm is actually uh, a part of this collection of psalms that Jewish pilgrims would sing uh, on the way. You know, psalms are actually songs. They would be sung. We, we don't always sing them because God didn't write the notation in the Bible, so we don't really know what the tune is. But the the pilgrim Jews, as they're ascending the hill to Jerusalem, would sing this collection of psalms, and this psalm is one of them. They, they were on a journey. They would be coming from all over the Mediterranean, all over the Levant, all over the world, to come to Jerusalem for a festival, whether it was Passover, the Festival of Booths, or something like that. But they would sing this psalm as they were ascending to go be with their brothers and sisters, their fellow Jews. They were on a journey to unity. You see, unity is not a one or a zero. It's not binary code on off. It's a journey. But they would sing this, and it, there was something about it that just like it's like it broke my heart when I was reading it. This is Psalm 133. The blessedness of unity. The song of a sense. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. 
It's like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. There were three things that really just punched me in the face out of that scripture. They hit me. The first one is the oil. It was this anointing oil that was used. It, it, it literally was used to cleanse and separate. It, 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 they would use it for the high priest, which Aaron was the first high priest. They used it to cleanse him, to be ritually cleansed. And they would also, they used it for King David when they anointed King David. But it was this aromatic oil. It smelled good. And it had these cleansing properties. It was made of things like myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, and cassia. It was refreshing. It was refreshing and cleansing, both ritually and physically. And then two, we're still talking, all of these are are allegories for unity. The dew, the dew off Mount Hermon literally waters the arid parts of Israel. This this mountain, it it receives precipitation, but the arid parts of Israel don't. But what happens is because of the, the physical properties of the ecology and the science stuff that I don't really know all the words for, that this dew literally waters arid parts. These parts of Israel that would otherwise be desolate. There's no way life could live in them. But the dew off Mount Hermon allows life to flourish in an arid land. And then thirdly, life forevermore. forevermore. God ordained his blessing, which is life forevermore. He gives his abundant eternal life to those who dwell in unity. I'm not saying it's a requirement for salvation. Don't hear me. That's all I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you actually want the full blessed life that God has for you, then you got to do life with somebody. We're not meant to be islands. We're meant to be together. It's blessed. It's a blessed life. It's an abundant life. It's truly life forevermore right now. Right now. We have amazing groups here. Listen, connect groups meet all the time. They're filled with all sorts of people that want to do life with you. That's what they want. And I believe today is the day God is calling you out. God has presented blessing saying, I made this for you. I built this for you. Do you want it? Do you want blessing? And today's the day we have to make a choice. We make a choice. I'm going to choose blessing. I don't know about y'all. I choose blessing. I don't know if, if some of you may not have gotten the practical application for today. The practical application is this. Sign up for a connect group. That's your practical application for today. It's that simple. Today's the day to choose blessing. And there may be someone in this room, when you heard what was said today, it hit you. It hit you right in the gut. And you feel like you need to make a fresh start with God. You're like, man, I, I don't even have a place to belong. I'm looking for this home. I'm looking for somewhere. And I hear about all this unity stuff. I, I, it's something speaking to me today. I, you know, I, I've heard about this blessing today. I want that blessing. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you say, Justin, I, I, think, I think I want to make a fresh start today with God. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up? You just slip your hand up. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is faithful. God is good. The Holy Spirit is at work right now in our midst. 
as we speak, God is binding us together in unity by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, if you are in need of blessing, if you're in need of healing, if you're in need of increase, and if you're in need of favor, if you're in need of a breakthrough, maybe you've got a family member that just won't come back to church. If you're in need of something, God has it for you today. Our ministry leaders are coming down right now and they want to pray for you. That's why they're here. They want to pray for you. And I believe that as we pray, that God is going to come in and make it happen. I'm going to pray. And once we get done praying, the team's going to lead us into worship. Powerfully, God, we just know that you're here. We know you're here. You're doing a work of revival in our midst. You are literally birthing up new life. The, the dew off Mount Hermon is settling in the dry, arid land, and we have life abundant right now. We feel it in our, our hearts, in our bones, that abundant life is being birthed right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for those who raise their hands to make a fresh start with you, that you would keep them close, Lord. And God, I pray for anyone that needs healing, Lord, that you would give them the boldness, the courage to step out of their seat and come down and be prayed for. Because I believe you are here. You are a miracle-working God. You are good. You are faithful every time. And as long as we just lift our voices to you and say, God, I need your help, you are always there. You are always there. You are always there, God. We need you. We need you. Come on, let's just continue on in worship right now. Let's continue on in worship. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.